Chelsea Fairless and welcome back to the every outfit podcast I feel like I'm gonna barf personally well I took Mulholland here for the first time which was not a good idea because I thought how chic would it be to just like drive through the hills and get the views and go from my house to your house without even having to like see a gas station no what it upset your tummy even in the driver's (laughs) seat (laughs) it's too windy it's too windy. I understand why Kanye was complaining about Mulholland and whatever that song was. No more parties in L.A. Maybe his most genius song. Certainly his funniest song. Yeah. Agreed. All agents know I hate agents. How are you? I'm good. We are sipping on some champagne. We are experimenting with recording at happy hour now. Yeah. It's 4.20. Because you're in a better mood. <laughs> I was going to say it's 4.21, my birthday. My birthday time. Oh, yeah. Cute. Do you ever look at the clock in certain times? Repeat? Yeah, like 11-11. That's the most cliche one. Yeah. For me, it's 421, which happens to be my birthday. Oh. I don't know if Narcissist. you forgot. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you have histrionic personality disorder like Amber Heard. I mean... <sighs> Am I aggressively sexual and attention-seeking? Yeah, Lauren's just like always like... Always casually stripping while we're doing the podcast. It makes me really uncomfortable. I guess the Me Too movement hasn't really come for Lauren yet. But her time is coming. <sighs> anyway, did you enjoy your weekend? Because it was the second weekend of Coachella, which is very calm or at least calmer energy to Los Angeles. Yeah, I love L.A. during Coachella, although Coachella is still here. <laughs> like, you still feel it. Like, I went to order my beloved kale and white bean salad from Erewhon, and I went to get a juice, and it was like they had a Coachella collection of special juices for the occasion. Well, there are certain events that are no longer about the thing that they were originally about. Like you see this with the Cannes Film Festival and Sundance. And now that's finally hit Coachella. Yeah. Well, it's been like that for a minute. I think this year it reached some kind of apex that I don't think we're ever going to come back from in a way. Okay. Explain. Well, I mean, this is going to get into the Revolve Fest, which I'm insisting on discussing. And <laughs> I have no desire to talk about this. I've basically begged Lauren all week, like, let's not talk about Revolve Fest. I actually don't give a shit. But she refuses to listen. So tell me all about it. What, you know, what do I need to know? You know why? Because I think our audience would enjoy our commentary on this. OK, OK, sure. Or, or maybe I just want to do a TED talk about this. Whatever, whatever. Just. Tell me. Anyway, long story short, online retailer Revolve does an influencer activation that's parallel to Coachella. It's not even at Coachella. It's in La Quinta. Okay. So that's like what? Like 20 minutes away from Indio or something? Yeah. It is where Chris has the Palm Springs house, which is not technically in Palm (laughs) Springs. It's in La Quinta. So they gifted a ton of influencer packs. It's like Palm Springs without gay people. (laughs) Just how Chris Jenner wants it. No. It's Palm Springs without gay people, except for like Jonathan Chaban is there. 
<laughs> Excuse you. Who's that? Do you mean food god? <laughs> uh, all right. They gifted a ton of influencers passes to this Revolve Fest. However, many were stranded for hours waiting for the buses to take them to the venue with no water. And that's it. That's the controversy. So what's the big deal? Like... Okay, so I think that true crime documentaries have broken our brains and people so wanted this to be the next fire festival and it just wasn't. And I think it says something about our current state of culture that we desired this to be way worse than it was. Okay, so influencers on TikTok were complaining like, I'm stranded. Is yes. that what happened? Yeah, and it really, having watched these TikToks, seeing these influencers complain... It's just them realizing that there's a hierarchy within the hierarchy. Of course. Yeah, but I don't think they understood this, right? So hundreds of these girls got gifted these VIP passes, but like Revolve has their own selected influencers who got treated way better and probably were paid to be there, or at least their airfare was paid for. Right. their accommodations and stuff like that. Yeah, and they got to stay at the park or whatever. But above those girls are the actual celebrities like Kendall and Kim, who really did get paid to be there. Kim went? Yeah. I don't know what they must be doing, although on Revolve... This week, because I will say I do enjoy Revolve, as you know, maybe my most problematic trait, (laughs) one of them. Close to it. But we live in Los Angeles and they are based in Los Angeles. So you can select free ground shipping and it's like overnighting something because it just appears the next day. I'm not going to support you in this endeavor, but whatever. I, I understand that. But Kim did like her spring edit on Revolve. So they carry Good American on Revolve. Kendall is the creative director, whatever that is, artistic director of Forward, which is their like net-a-porter version of Revolve. Okay. But Revolve is a fucking business. They're not there to make influencers feel special. Yeah, but aren't they just like a brand that's all about influencers? Like they invest in influencers, I feel like more than most companies do. Like to me, I only associate Revolve with influencers. Like I don't associate with anything else, which I guess is maybe why I don't like it. Oh yeah, it's a publicly traded company that was built on influencer marketing. Its highest performance period is festival season. So April through June, most companies, most e-com retailers, it's end of year Christmas time. Theirs is almost reverse. Q2 is their highest performance, period. And by the way, it's fucking working. In 2021, because I did read the financial report, that's the kind of work I put in for you guys, their net sales saw a 70% growth over the previous year. That seems like a lot of growth. Yeah. Now, by the way, they did have to implement a policy which above $7,500, if you return more than that, you're kind of blacklisted, which kind of explains the type of clientele they have. You could, Wait, say that again. You can't return what? You can't return... If you have returned more than $7,500 of inventory, you're basically blacklisted. That doesn't seem right just because a lot of like rich people just spend like will spend like thousands of dollars at Revolve and then just like return half of it. Well, the reason that I do want to bring this up and maybe it's the side of TikTok I'm on is it has spawned this larger debate about the current state of influencers and how these influencers who did grow up on like the original digital style influencers don't really have any style and they're just kind of doing fashion for content. Of course. Right, but I think you saw this in the disparity between all of these influencers and their overdone looks versus the actual celebrities like a Hailey Bieber and Kendall who are just dressed down and casual at Coachella. 
Right. Like it was a little. Well, they're just like more successful influencers. (laughs) No, for sure. And they have stylists. But I think going back to your point about why they blacklist uh, some returns is I think there's something about this TikTok era of influencers where they consume such a tremendous amount of fashion, which is usually like Amazon dupes that are linked in their storefront. You know, it's this thing where they can never wear the same thing twice, which Oh, so they're just like wearing something for content and then returning it to Revolve. Yes, that's why Revolve put in that policy. Right. But that speaks to why this new era has no personal style. Because there's something to, when we talk about this, when we talk about like, in our opinion, the heyday of Sex and the City fashion, is that idea that there's a piece that you love that you reintegrate into your wardrobe. And that kind of doesn't exist. Right. Within this subset. Anyway, their their lukewarm tea from this event was that they had to give Revolve so much content and all they got were the VIP passes and the gifting suite and that $2,000 Revolve gift card to buy clothing. And then they had to produce 20 TikToks. Isn't that mean, Chell? I mean, seems a little unreasonable for just going to a party. Anyway, can we please talk about something else? I still don't get it. Can we talk about the fact that Danny Elfman performed at Coachella? Sure. Danny Elfman, I would have definitely caught that set had I gone to Coachella. I can only imagine what it must have been to be rolling at Coachella, show up at a random field, and see a whole orchestra playing the Simpsons theme. Yeah. I felt high watching it. Totally. I looked at Danny Elfman's set list because I was like, what What was this? And I love that he performed like every Oingo Boingo song, which was the new wave band that he was in before being a famous composer. But he didn't do Weird Science. (laughs) (laughs) The only song I know and care about. You don't like Dead Man's Party? It's fine, but come on. And Weird Science is arguably the bridge from him as a musician in a new wave band to composer, because Weird Science was... Totally. It's It's an important piece of the puzzle. Although I don't think... Is Weird Science... I don't know if that passes the... I don't know if that's Me Too friendly in retrospect. (laughs) They make a woman in a test tube, right? Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, it seems like Harry Styles made the biggest splash overall. But I just, I don't know. I continue to not understand or care. There's something wrong with me, maybe. No, I agree. Maybe it's our our age, although we are his girlfriend's age, which I dig that he exclusively is into older women. But yeah, we're too old, though, to have grown up listening to One Direction, which I think is an important part of Harry Styles fandom. But I agree with you. There's something very random about him because the songs are bops. I like the songs. See, that's where I disagree. I think like the he seems like a nice guy. He's a hot guy. The looks are fire. Like the Gucci blood oath is clearly very productive for all parties involved, right? But the songs I don't get. I don't think the music is that good. Yet somehow I can see that it is incredibly catchy. Like I had watermelon sugar in my head for like two years, but maybe that's because it was like never not in the top 40 for the last however many fucking years of our lives. See, the aesthetic doesn't compute for me. Not that it doesn't look good, but it feels very manufactured. Like it doesn't feel like it's from within. It's like it is manufactured. Right. And so that's why I think it feels a little false to me. But I do think 
it was really major that he brought Shania Twain out. And I did actually watch that video of them singing, man, I feel like a woman. And they're both in like spangly outfits. And I was like, what does this remind me of? And then I realized what it was. It reminds me of Divas Live. Do you remember oh, Divas Live? VH1. <laughs> VH1, Divas Live. That was the exact tone of it, right? For those of you who uh, are too young for this, VH1 used to do these specials and they would get all these divas to come and perform together. Like they do their individual sets and then they do like a big finale together and they'd all wear like gold metallic outfits and it was fab. Basically, I imagine the meeting for VH1 Divas Live when this concept was conceived was what if we just did the VMA Music Video Awards, but for older gay men and just put it all together, <laughs> all the performances together at once? Yeah. And I say this as as two people. I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I mean that as two women that have an older gay male aesthetic ourselves. Yeah. It was so good. Although I am haunted by this performance of Natural Woman where they all just <laughs> screamed over each other during the finale, but obviously Aretha Franklin won. But Celine Dion tried. I love that VH1 for the last 15 years has not been able to figure out what they should do with the channel when it's like in the 90s and early 2000s, they had the VH1 Fashion Awards and Divas Live. It's like, just do that. Well, also you have to consider... VH oh, and Behind the Music. The, yeah, they had Behind the Music. VH1 was in a very different lane than MTV in terms of like the actual videos that they played. Like there is some music that I would quantify as VH1 only. And Shania Twain was very much that. Like, they didn't play that shit on MTV. That was like a VH1-only artist. Uh, Matchbox 20? Matchbox 20 might have had some crossover appeal, but yeah, more adult contemporary stuff like Celine Dion. But it really makes me think, like, they need to bring back Divas Live and have original divas like Mariah, Celine, Shania, and then bring in, like, new divas like Harry Styles and Adele and Lizzo and just, like, make a whole thing out of it. It seems like between us wanting to bring back the VH1 Fashion Awards and Divas Live that we just need to be hired as consultants at VH1. Does that still exist, though? Yeah. Oh. It's not good. Okay, well, now we're definitely not getting hired as consultants. Anyway, enough about Coachella. What else are we talking about? Ugh. All right, I just have to give out a, a trigger warning, guys. We're about to discuss a very dark, upsetting, and yet oddly fascinating legal case involving two actors that lack any sense of self-awareness. Yes, we're about to discuss the Johnny Depp Amber Heard lawsuit. So another thing I've been like, <laughs> can we not talk about this? Because it's so dark and I don't want anyone to think that we're not being sensitive to victims of domestic violence. Although I haven't been following this as close as you, but it just seems like this is a very dark and depraved situation from all sides. Yeah. So Johnny Depp is currently suing Amber Heard for $50 million, alleging that her 2018 op-ed in the Washington Post, where she said she was a victim of domestic abuse, defamed him and is the reason why no one will hire him anymore. It should be noted, she never mentions Depp by name in this article. Amber is countersuing Depp for $100 million, saying he actually defamed her by saying she's lying about her claims. Wait, she didn't even name him in the article? No. Okay, so she should have full. She could have fully been talking about someone else. Yeah, except she's not though. <laughs> not that I'm defending Johnny Depp, although I do think it's odd that he's clearly 
psychotic, has gone off the rails, and Dior still wants him to be the face of Dior Sauvage. Sauvage. Which is literally the most popular fragrance in the world. That includes like women's categories and Johnny Depp. Like, I, I don't get it. Look, at its core, this case isn't funny. Okay, Chell? It's no laughing matter. I'm not laughing. However, there are many lugubrious facts that have been revealed during the trial that are worthy of humorous discussions. And not to sound like Stefan, but this case just has everything, Chell. (laughs) Including Johnny Depp's weird poetry text messages, a vaping property manager testifying from his car, emails from Elton John... What did Elton John say? He's just buddies with Johnny Depp. They're sober buddies. Okay, cute. Wait, is Johnny Depp sober? Yeah, it's a whole thing. Okay, keep going. A Bahamian property manager trying to remember if they made $10,000 or $10,010 a month. British butlers who worked with the royal family. Kim K's divorce attorney, Laura Wasser. The guy who plays Vision in the Marvel film saying he wanted to burn Amber Heard alive. Okay, that's a Luke-only reference. <laughs> Lawyers objecting to their own questions. Johnny Depp stands claiming Amber Heard is dressing like him. Amber Heard bullying Jennifer Connelly's son until he cried. Lady Gaga's agent ex-boyfriend. Amber Heard shitting in a bed and blaming their dogs. Well, that I know about and can't stop thinking about. And then Johnny Depp claiming that wanting to fuck Amber Heard's dead corpse was just his, quote, abstract sense of humor. Who among us hasn't made a joke? It's worth noting that Johnny Depp lost his 2020 defamation lawsuit with the UK paper The Sun that branded him a wife beater. Which you agree that he probably was, right? Like this had to be a physically abusive relationship. He was abusive in some regard. I don't know if it was physical, verbal, or emotional. I mean, their marriage therapist testified last week that it was a mutually abusive marriage. So it's like Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård in Big Little Lies season one vibes. Uh, This really, this trial feels like Gone Girl for idiots, personally. Oh, so you think that Amber is the problem? No. I think that for things to get this fucked up, both parties have a part to play in this. Like, they each recorded each other in secret multiple times. Right. Who but Dior is going to hire either of them after this? Look, having watched this trial, it still hasn't changed my opinion one way or another. Like, I was team no one before, and I continue to be team no one. Like, if anything, this trial has revealed how weird celebrities are. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is a civil trial, (laughs) so the burden of proof is significantly lower than a criminal trial. However, I kind of feel like they're both going to lose their lawsuits because... And I should say that Amber Heard hasn't taken the stand. Johnny Depp took the stand last week. But it seems like their own actions have had way more harmful consequences to their careers than what either is alleging to the other person. For sure. Although, again, I haven't been as devoted to this case as you have, but even what I've heard of the text messages that have been read in court that Johnny Depp sent to his friends, that just seems so fucked up, so like damaging to his image. Also, can we talk about the photo of his drug paraphernalia? Oh, this I didn't even see. Wait, what? You haven't seen this photo? Okay, it's a photo that I guess Amber Heard took to prove that he is a cokehead. 
And it's a photo of a few lines of cocaine, a tampon applicator, which is apparently what he snorts coke out of. Like he takes, like, you know, the skinny part of a plastic tampon. Like he snorts like coke out of that. And then like a bunch of other like incredibly Johnny Deppish shit is like surrounding this. It's like Keith Richards like demo. (laughs) And then it's like a little pillbox that says property of JD with like a skull and crossbones. Like there's no way that this could be anyone else's (laughs) fucking coke. Like it's actually insane. But I just thought that was a funny image. Not that addiction is funny. It's obviously not. Yeah, the two biggest points of contention and fights for lack of a better phrase between the two seems to be an incident that happened in Australia that resulted with Johnny Depp's finger being cut off which neither scenario that's been put forth makes sense to me okay I can't really understand how Amber Heard throwing a bottle of vodka would sever the top of Johnny Depp's finger and I also don't see him cutting off the top of his finger so what you think he got drunk and like slammed it in a car door or something no I don't know what to think I'm just saying neither of their stories make sense (laughs) personally (laughs) so to go back to the shitting the shittening? Yes. Which, by the way, he must have been coached by his lawyers because he doesn't ever use such coarse language. He refers to it as fecal delivery or dropping a grumpy. Ew. So basically, allegedly, Johnny Depp showed up late to Amber Heard's 30th birthday party. And this was a while ago. And I had to check her birthday. She is born a day after me. She's not an April 21st Taurus. She's an April 22nd Taurus. Okay. (laughs) And apparently he showed up late, possibly coked up and fucked up. Who knows? We don't know. We weren't there. But was he smelling like Dior Sauvage? (laughs) I assume so. (laughs) He dumps an entire bottle on himself before he leaves because Dior's just mad that their bottle wasn't amongst the uh, coke paraphernalia (laughs) like the fact that Johnny Depp is in court talking about fecal delivery and they're still like yup like sounds great great face for our brand um if it makes you feel better his sister testified that when when Amber Heard learned that Johnny Depp would be the face of Dior Sauvage uh she said why Dior's a classy brand you're an old fat man rude Rude, but funny. (laughs) Not something I would say to a man I married and said was the love of my life, personally. No. (laughs) Also, like, he's not fat. He's just, like, bloated from alcoholism. Uh, I don't know. I think the last few years have been a little rough on Johnny Depp. Yeah, I wonder why Amber Heard's, like, literally taking shits in his bed, which we didn't even explain. But because she was pissed that he showed up late to her party. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly, her or one of her friends at the party fully took a shit in their bed yes so they lived in a loft in downtown he went back to his home in west hollywood which he lives across the street from the standard he bought uh either bella lugosi or i think it was he bought bella lugosi's old house in 1994 but he did the like rich celebrity thing which is he bought the homes next to him and proceeded to buy every single home on the street yeah like you're not really really rich in los angeles until like you've bought like four houses on a single street just for your own personal privacy so he was like i want to go back to the apartment and get you know personal items like things marlon brando and 
Hunter S. Thompson had given to him and his security relayed to him, you probably don't because someone has pooped in the bed. Of which when he talked to Amber Heard about this, she said it was the dogs, of which he had to say, I, in court, I know what my dog's <laughs> shit looks like. Well, the best is, uh, well, I mean, we'll just play this clip right now. She was trying to explain a few things about uh, Coachella and then the fecal uh, delivery um, and saying that it was the dogs. And I I could, I'm sorry, I could not agree with her. I'd lived with those dogs. I picked up their fun. It was not the dogs. What's worse, being a 50-something-year-old man married to a woman half your age having to hear what Coachella was like or having to hear that she didn't poop in your bed? (sighs) And by the way, less people think that we're pro-Johnny Depp in this conversation. I don't think he has grounds for this lawsuit. And I I actually don't think he wants to win. I think he somehow wants to correct the record. But, like, this is so invasive and embarrassing in a way I don't think either of them understands. Yeah. Let's not pretend that Johnny Depp's career wasn't on a massive downturn even before his marriage to Amber Heard. Like, it wasn't doing well when he did that sequel to Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, but if not for this, he could have had a long and illustrious acting career. Sure, but also Johnny Depp is acting like, you know, normal 50-something-year-olds don't get fired from their jobs that they've had for decades without cause and just have to figure it out. You know, it is a good thing that he has a half a billion dollar fortune. Oh, wait, he spent it all. Right. How much did he spend a month on wine again? Uh, 40,000 or 60,000, which he also did. (laughs) You're like, I know it was an even number. Well, no, what confuses me about this is I remember when this when that figure came out, a friend of mine was like, oh, I know that wine shop in Beverly Hills he ordered from. And like Keanu Reeves orders like $80,000 of wine a month or something. And it's like, well, oh, so he's frugal then. Well, yeah, Keanu Reeves doesn't have dependents. How much could it cost to pay for Lily Rose Depp's life? <laughs> she already has that Chanel contract. Uh, As someone that worked for an eccentric actor for a short amount of time and saw their spending habits, I read every single page of Johnny Depp's business manager's lawsuit against him. And one of the things that they tried to get him to curb his spending was, how about we don't have the bodyguards wait eight hours a day outside of Lily Rose Depp's school since the school has security? Right. Nothing fascinates me more than people who've made an ungodly amount of money and that just, like, lose it all. Yeah. Because he did the, like, supermarket sweeps of what wealthy people could just lose their money on. Private Island? Check. Yacht that he had to sell to J.K. Rowling? Check. Horse farm? Check. Owning six properties in Los Angeles and only living in one? Check. (laughs) Wait, he sold his horse farm to J.K. Rowling? He sold the yacht to J.K. Rowling. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Excuse you, Chelsea. (laughs) I don't want those horses to be around turfs. (laughs) Uh, All right. So this has only been two weeks of what is supposed to be a six-week trial. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't think I can hold on anymore. I think it's captured all of our attentions for a few weeks. But none of us, thanks to the internet, have the attention span to follow this trial to the end. Don't underestimate yourself, Lauren. (laughs) Thank you. You're doing so well. Look, as I said to you and our friend Maya, like, neither of them... We have to have Maya on the pod sometime because we talk about her so much. Maya, come on the pod. 
I don't really think either of them are going to win. I think that this is more about their reputations, but it's like neither of them have the money. Uh, both their careers are kind of toast, so I guess it's just in the court of public opinion, of which I'm ruling they're both embarrassing. That's our law show. It's like Judge Judy, but it's about like court of public opinion within pop culture. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to talk about something lighter. Less, less shit involved? With less shit involved, which is the Met Gala, which is next week. Hallelujah. I know. And next week's episode will be entirely devoted to the Met Gala. So I guess now we'll just give our predictions? Exactly. So I think we discussed this a little bit before, but this is an exhibition about American fashion, but the sub-theme is Gilded Glamour, which is a reference to the Gilded Age, not the HBO Max television show that we still haven't watched. I'm sorry. We are talking about the period of time between 1870 and 1900, but you could also interpret Gilded Glamour as metallics, right? Maybe not full metallics because the definition of gilded is like a thin covering of gold. So I think that most people will just kind of dress in golds and champagnes and stuff. Even though the theme really is the Victorian era, I think this is going to be kind of like the Met Gala that celebrated the Manus Ex Mechina exhibition, which was a show about industrialization, but everyone just dressed like robots, <laughs> which was hilarious. I predicted for the September show that people would look boring. I'm not predicting that for this. I do think most everyone is going to look like Eliza Doolittle. Yeah, like how Kendall Jenner looked last year. I know. I, it's so crazy because that made no sense for the September show. But the Givenchy designer, Matthew Williams, who <laughs> dressed Kendall Jenner literally as Audrey Hepburn's Eliza Doolittle and My Fair Lady, which was bizarre because Givenchy is not a uh, is not an American designer and Audrey Hepburn famously not an American actress either but that outfit would have been perfect for this upcoming Met totally I think it's about dressing in the Gilded Age theme just because this exhibition isn't going to be held in the Anna Wintour Costume Center which is like the dedicated space for fashion exhibitions it's in the American wing of the museum which has like lots of art and furniture and shit from that period well I predict that one uh, pop diva is going to look excellent because the <laughs> wife of her stylist is one of the best contemporary fashion historians I know haha <laughs> no but I, my other it's hard though because I think that like with the camp theme for example there's so many different interpretations of that but with the gilded age we're talking about like a set period of time we're talking about the clothes that they wore during that era and there's not a lot of designers that revisit that period right unless you're like a john galliano or a vivian westwood or someone that's like really goes there or like olivier taskins even or something it's just it's tricky and also, I think a lot of people will probably have the same references because there's only so many films set in that period, you know, like Age of Innocence or Wings of the Dove or all that shit, you know? Yeah. No offense to the LA stylist, but uh, I don't know if they're subscribers to the Criterion channel. I don't even know if they've seen those films, Shell. 
Well, also, it's been really weird because I read all of the articles from mainstream fashion magazines, like what to expect from this year's Met Gala and like the theme explained. And a lot of them are using reference images from like the 17th century. Like I feel like a lot of people like everything, anything before 1900 is like all the same to people. And there's like no distinction between like. Yeah, they're like Marie Antoinette. That's the same. Yeah, surely. I do also predict that celebrities particularly actors are gonna go ham with prompts so I'm like I'm talking about canes I'm talking about tiny umbrellas I'm talking about tiny hats yeah there's gonna be so many tiny hats and I think it's gonna really trigger me I hate a tiny hat I really do I mean we can almost guarantee that Philip Tracy is gonna put a tiny hat on Sarah Jessica Parker I'm gonna tell you that right now Well, at least that's gonna be a good hat I don't want to malign our girl SJP. She's obviously going to have a hat. And she herself puts in the work for each theme as we saw in the Vogue video this week. Which was incredible. I'm sure she's going to look amazing. But I'm scared at how other people will be interpreting the hats, the bustles, stuff like that. Like there's elements of this theme like corsetry and gloves that like sure look great on anyone. But I'm sorry. My mind just went to Khloe Kardashian in like a thoughty little house on the prairie look. Okay, well, that's one of my predictions. I think for the first time, the full family will be there, the entire family, because Kravis will definitely be invited this year. And Chris will make sure that Chloe isn't the only one excluded. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost confirmed that it's going to be Kim, Courtney, Chloe, Kylie, but there's no way that Kendall's not also going to be there. Yeah, it's all of them except for Caitlyn and Rob, obviously. Um, I think that Rihanna, no, Rihanna's look is going to be insane. She's too pregnant. Girl, she went to literally every fashion show in Paris. She's not not going to the Met Gala. And then you know what the boss move is? Giving birth on the carpet. Well, I was going to say going into labor during the Met and having to go to the hospital and have a baby. Because yeah. then, oh, Anna Winter is going to be so pissed. That's the only thing that's going to cannibalize all the Met Gala coverage. I think it's going to be really hard for anyone to compete with Rihanna. She's almost like peerless to begin with. But when you add the pregnancy on top of it, it's just it's too much. You know, it's going to be insane. I also predict that. Billy Porter will carry a parasol. Oh, Billy Porter's definitely going to be in a bustle as well. <laughs> someone's going to be in a horse-drawn carriage, some histrionic person. No, someone's going to be a horse-drawn carriage, <laughs> Chow. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> but back to Kardashians, I think that Kim is wearing Prada because I don't know why else she would have gone to that fashion show last season it seemed really random she just went to balenciaga and she went to prada it seems like yeah she's in her balenciaga era but doing the same designer two years in a row would be unprecedented for her so my money is on prada right and she gave that quote where she said i have to make sure that i fit into it which made me think some kind of molded piece yeah for sure a molded prada piece it's not really their style we'll see you think a more raph influence Prada sure. outfit. Look, also, if Kim isn't in Prada, then Kravis will be in Prada. They won't both be in Prada because they'd never 
do the same designer, but I could also see that for Kravis. Although I would love to see Kravis and Rick Owens. I think that would be the perfect thing for them. To be in that group thread right now, oh my goodness. I know. Is that it? You have anything else? Uh, I'm not good at doing specific predictions. I like to do more overarching things. Yeah. I'm interested. What else are we talking about? We have some beauty news. So Olivia Rodrigo was announced as the new face of Glossier. She's the first celebrity brand ambassador, which makes total sense. She looks like a really hot baby. But this is a very different approach for Glossier, which has always stayed away from celebrities and supermodels and their marketing. Their whole ethos is about looking like yourself and not trying to look like anyone else. But they just had to lay off a shitload of people. So celebrities it is. Yeah, I don't know when this narrative started or what happened exactly with Glossier, but I've been seeing for the last six months, it's like, Glossier's fucked. They lost the plot. What happened? Well, like so many of these companies, they scaled up too fast. They hired more people than they could afford to keep on. And their sales are declining, apparently. It's hard to be a girl boss, man. No, that's rude. I love Glossier. As I know. You know I've, I've fully drank the Kool-Aid. I'm such a basic bitch for Glossier. Like oh. there's certain things I actually can't live without. And did I tell you I went into the, the LA store the other day and a fuckette gave me my order. Uh, did you also use our gift cards that were generously gifted to us by a listener who works at Alfred's? No, I didn't. Was this not the one that has the Alfreds in the No, it has the Alfred there. I just did. I don't know why, but next time. Oh, Jesus Christ. If there's any Glossier worker PR person that listens to this podcast, please give Chelsea stuff. She is a ride or fucking die. I have to hear about it all the time. I don't talk about it that much. It's just like I'm into it. Like I vibe with it. Do you think that this is going to win back the Gen Z audience? Well, they seem to fucking love Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, who doesn't want to look like her? Yeah. She's like the perfect face for the brand because her face is already perfect to begin with. And as we know, it's like, it's very like low coverage, like very minimal. Um, It's not a brand for people that want to like paint a new face over their existing face. You know, it's about like accentuating what you have. Yeah, I mean, this makes sense because... Certainly, Gen Z has a fascination with uh, late 90s, early 2000s aesthetics. I'll call it a Delia's catalog aesthetic. Oh, Olivia Rodrigo is so Delia's. Every day, these fucking Yorkies. And by the way, those are the kind of dogs that Amber Heard has. (laughs) Wait, what? She has Yorkies. (laughs) She blames... I think you should keep that in. Sorry, (laughs) We were just distracted by these fucked up Yorkies that walked by yapping. And those are the same dogs that Amber Heard has. Those are not literally Amber Heard's dogs. You just had Yorkies. No shade to anyone that owns Yorkies. I'm sure your Yorkies are fabulous and not annoying. But anyway. Shall we talk about Scarlett Johansson's boring skincare line? Mm, it is boring. So last month, Scarlett Johansson launched a clean beauty line called The Outset. The brand identity is very minimal and bland. Uh, I'm not sure what trend report is delivered to celebrities where their products all have to look like they'd work in Patrick Bateman's beauty routine. It's, I love minimalism, but this packaging 
is giving nothing. This and Rosie Huntington Whiteley's beauty line that just looks like a more minimalist looking rare beauty packaging. I'm like, who told people to do this? Yeah. Well, also the thing about ScarJo is that she's like such a good actress, but I don't really know what her persona is like outside of her roles, you know? Well, I mean, the imagery on the website is just haunting black and white photos of her that remind me of like CK1 ads. Yeah. So at least... Yeah, CK1 ads without like the tattoos and good styling. (laughs) She does have a lot of terrible tattoos. Well, they weren't present in this campaign. Obviously, I get what like a Gwyneth Paltrow or Reese Witherspoon is about in terms of their lifestyle, right? Or their aesthetic. With Scarlett Johansson, she has no aesthetic attached to her. She's like a blank slate, which is, I guess, why her makeup looks like this or her skincare, whatever. So it does feel like a step up from Yummy Pop. Oh, for those who know, no, you are, of course, referring to her 2017 short-lived popcorn store in Paris. I think it's still open, though. Mm -mm. Really? Oh, she's on to a new husband, Chelsea. (laughs) She's over yummy pop? Yeah, she's no longer a a, uh, popcorn entrepreneur in Paris. She's a (laughs) clean beauty entrepreneur in New York with her Harvard-graduated SNL writer husband. Mm. All right. I wanted to clown on this line so badly, but every review I read is a rave, and it does seem like she actually did the work. Okay. Respect. Yeah, the line follows a strict clean beauty guideline. Over 2,700 ingredients were eliminated, which I guess is two times the industry average. From everything I've read, the components are said to feel luxurious, and the frosted glass bottles look expensive. They don't, though. Well, I'll be able to tell you because I was so curious that I went online <laughs> no, you didn't. and bought the Daily Essential Regime Bundle, which includes the gentle, how do you say that? My, my, micellar? Micellar? Micellar. Micellar, gentle micellar. Guys. We're such fucking idiots. You know by now we're not here for the pronunciation. We're also like, I don't, like, I don't know shit about beauty, if you can't tell, or skincare. Like, I'm not that girl. I think that people assume that because you care about fashion, you also like know about that shit and i really don't so all right well i do a little bit you yeah, know yet you don't know how to pronounce micellar yeah and, no. which is probably not even how you pronounce it anyway so i got the antioxidant cleanser the firming vegan collagen prep serum and the nourishing squalene daily moisturizer great report back let me know how it goes and then lastly, in uh, 15 years too late news, Gwen Stefani has launched a makeup line called GXVE. Any cl- Do we pronounce it yeah. give or GXV? Well, I thought it was, you know, because it was Love Angel G- Music Baby or Love. She has- <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously the word love with GX in front of it. Is it Gwen? Right, e- right. Okay. Yeah. I knew it seemed familiar. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but did you see that the eyeliner is called Hella on Point? Okay. For those fabulous hot rich patrons who are also part of our close friends on Instagram, I was texting Chelsea Sunday night, which of which you didn't reply back, but I found out you found it highly amusing because you put our text messages <laughs> on the Instagram close friends. I was like, oh, I'm glad she found it amusing, which was me losing my mind, realizing that... So Gwen Stefani did not release a makeup line when she had her solo career at the height of Harajuku Girls. It's now being released in 2022. 
and it only has one lipstick shade. And it's Gwen Stefani red. And <laughs> well, okay, to be fair, it's one shade, but you can get it in a matte finish, you can get it in a gloss finish, and you can get it in like a tube application. Stop making the motion for lipstick, Chelsea. Well, you know, when you like... It doesn't justify it. Also, as someone who, like you, loved Gwen Stefani in the 90s. Love Gwen Stefani. I am not someone that applies my identity to a celebrity. I think that's incredibly dangerous, probably because I loved Gwen Stefani so much and just like saw her become (laughs) such a basic bitch. Yeah, it's because we liked Madonna and Gwen Stefani just a little too much when we were younger. But Gwen Stefani doesn't even wear red lipstick anymore. That was something that she associated with her relationship with Gavin Rossdale. She exclusively wears a nude lip now. By the way, which would be fine if it was like, you know, Gavin Red and then like Blake nude or something. But it's like, (laughs) no, just the red lip that I haven't worn in seven years. Yeah. Uh, And everything is a pun. Like Michael Patrick King would love this line. Did you also notice that the waterproof eyeliner is called Line It Up? For wind it up. Yeah, I think it's cute that like a lot of the colors are named after her songs. So like you can get the spider webs eye pencil. The Anaheim Shine <laughs> lipstick. Yeah, it's cute. <sighs> My thought is, I can't believe that she married a country star and moved to Oklahoma, literally. But she's still aping Chicano style to this degree. Like, it's actually kind of shocking that she doesn't get more shit for it. But I guess she peaked with the Harajuku girls. So now nothing really seems that bad. The fact that she doesn't get more shit for that is fascinating. It's just a testament to how much really people is. love The Voice, a show that neither of us have watched. <laughs> Yeah, but the look was almost like more major when she was younger just because she did have like the plucked like penciled (sighs) eyebrows and that's just like half of it. I miss old Gwen. I talk about this all the time. Like if I had a DeLorean that could travel back in time, I would just go to like 1996 and show Gwen Stefani and Madonna what they look like in 2022. That's so rude. Is it? It's rude. We shouldn't be talking about women's bodies and faces and aging and stuff. Look, as a fellow Italian-American that grew up in Southern California, I would like to have the, I mean, exquisite work Gwen Stefani has done. Mwah! Yeah, exquisite. Does that forehead move? No. Does she look like she's in her mid-50s? Absolutely not. No. She looks hella on point. (laughs) Just like her eyeliner. (laughs) All right, let's move on to Kardashians. Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. Do we want to start with the trial or the show? You want to talk more about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial? No, the Black China v. the Kardashians trial. Uh, Yeah, speaking of like fairly dark legal cases that are going on, I can't believe these two trials are happening at the same time. Yeah. I can't believe I'm getting any work done or being (laughs) like a good friend to anyone right now. Or like doing basic self-care shit, like taking a shower or brushing my teeth. (laughs) No, all that can be done while watching YouTube lawyers discuss these trials. So in a nutshell, Black China sued the Kardashians back in 2017 for defamation and for intentional interference with a contract, which was 
her contract with NBC Universal for the show Robin China, right? Which aired on E. Yes, she believes that the Kardashians, of which she's named Kim, Chloe, not Courtney, interestingly enough, or Kendall, Kylie, I thought she, Chris. No, Courtney's named. Oh, is she? Yeah. She hasn't been uh, deposed just yet. That they actively interfered with the ability for Rob and China to get a second season. But they literally did because Chloe and Kylie emailed NBC executives basically urging them not to let the show continue. Which we should say, after a physical altercation where Black China pulled a gun, which she claims was a joke, very Johnny Depp of her. She's like, I guess they, they don't understand my dark sense of humor. Uh, this is the couple I need to ship, which is Black China and Johnny Depp. <laughs> they need to come together because they seem perfect for each other. Uh, yes, but context is Chloe and Kylie sent those messages to e-producers and executives after this incident. Right. But I- yeah, and they were like, this is really dark. This is really destructive. Like, this isn't like fun entertainment. Like, we need to pull the plug on this show because it's actually fucked up. Right. And then an e-executive, and I think the producer of their reality production company, testified that there was no existence of a second season. So there was no second season to cancel because a second season had never been greenlit to begin with. Right. But I thought that Black China claimed they'd started filming it. I don't know. It's very confusing. It also seems like a high barrier to prove beyond a reasonable doubt because you have to prove that Because she named all the Kardashians, she has to prove that each and every one of them, I watched a lawyer on YouTube explain this, uh, (laughs) that they themselves prevented her from getting a second season. So even if one didn't, (coughs) Courtney, she's not going to win the lawsuit. Right. Anyway, she just wants a cash settlement. And that's what most lawsuits in America are about, is just settling. For sure. But I think the biggest revelations have been that... Kylie mentioned that she suspected that Rob and China's relationship was China's way of getting back at her for dating Tyga, right? Which, yes. Which Black China has two children with, which Kylie dated him after that point, pre-Travis Scott. When she was underage, we should mention. Right. And Corey Gamble testified that he saw... Rob and China right after she had beaten him with some sort of metal rod and he apparently saw her whipping him with an iPhone cord which she is um what's the word histrionic I was about to say inventive like remember when she beat that random person at Disneyland with a stroller Uh, resourceful that's what I meant she's resourceful the other thing that I I saw was that she had to admit that she hasn't paid taxes since 2015 and she does not currently have a bank account yikes another trial that's set to last for weeks yeah how will my attention span contain all of this Chelsea (laughs) yeah I don't know if I love that there are no cameras allowed but I do love the courtroom art oh Previous to this trial, I would say that, uh, you know, courtroom artists couldn't have a bias against plaintiff and a defendant. But seeing what the artwork looks like when he draws the Kardashians versus Black China, I feel like there's a bit of a bias. Black China has never looked better. So major. All of her looks. The Kardashians look like 
they look like you know that part in the little mermaid where they go to ursula's cave and it's like all of the other people that she's cursed and turned into like weird sad sea animals like they look like those sad (laughs) sea animals do you know what i was just remembering do you remember the during the second michael jackson trial there were no cameras allowed in the courtroom but transcripts were being released or maybe the audio was being released and each night E did a reenactment of that day's trial. Oh, yeah. I was watching that. Like, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. They need to do that with this. Oh, fuck. That's what you're Hulu so, should be doing. You're so, that's what E should be doing. Oh, yeah. As like, a, <laughs> we don't have the Kardashians anymore, but we do have this. Also, can you imagine how easy it would be to cast that? In this day and age, like literally everyone looks like the Kardashians in this town. Like you could literally just drive down Melrose and like pick people off the street and be like, okay, you're Chloe, you're Kim, you're whoever. You just go to the Paul Smith pink wall. (laughs) Yeah. Just go to Craig's. All right. Well, again, another trial that will be going on for weeks to come. So do you want a top off? uh, I'm okay. (laughs) Or maybe. Come on. If Chell and I had a writer, it would just be Vouv Clicquot and Baby Bell Cheese. <laughs> Which is all we've been consuming for the last hour. All right. Mm. So we missed two weeks of Kardashian, the Kardashians. Okay, I already forget what happened last week. Okay, so that's a perfect place to start because I'm not loving the pacing of these episodes because we know so much has happened in the last six months that there's really no reason that things should be spaced out like this. Basically, the entire second episode was Kim getting ready for SNL and Chloe going on James Corden. That was it. And Courtney and Trav looking at a real estate for a house in Bel Air they're never going to buy. That poor real estate agent who just like conveniently went off screen when they started making out with each other. See, I, on the other hand, will take what I can get. And I still think this is a much better show than the Kardashians, than keeping up with the Kardashians, I mean. Oh, for sure. And I feel like you would enjoy knowing that I cried twice during the second episode. When? (laughs) Once when Mario started crying himself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Talking about how when he saw her on stage doing the, you know, hi, I'm Kim Kardashian, doing the SNL promo that he thought about how far that she's come. And you really do realize, again, you can talk all the shit you want about them, but they really are ride or die with the people in their lives. And Mario talks about her. Kim talks about her testimonial that Mario is Kim's makeup artist, by the way. Not everyone listening knows that. Uh, Yes. And he also recently launched the amazing makeup by Mario makeup line through Sephora. And so Kim tells it her (laughs) Which Lauren is apparently purchased. Have you? Yeah. Oh my God. That's why the blush I have on right now is the Makeup by Mario stick blush. Wow. It's genuinely good product. And so Kim says in her testimonial (laughs) that his agency was like, you're never going to fucking work again if you start working with her. And honestly, without her and the fame and the fame they've derived together in her makeup looks, he wouldn't have the Sephora line, which is a very excellent makeup line. That was a beautiful story. Thank you. I also cried when Travis via FaceTime tells Chloe that he's going to propose to Courtney because you realize like it's not that she never married Scott. Scott never even fucking proposed to her. I know. And now Scott has the audacity to be this emo little bitch when she only ever asked him for the bare minimum, which is sobriety and a proposal. Something 
we didn't discuss during the first episode that is becoming increasingly clear is it seems like Scott is on something during these testimonials. His speech is very laconic and his eyes seem to be going in two different directions. Yeah. The other thing we got in episode two was Amy Schumer, who is evidently Kim Kardashian's best New York friend, question mark? Uh, giving... We got to go into her weird apartment. That was a pretty good New York apartment. I don't know. Oh, according to Chelsea I don't know. Mark. I think, I mean, it, it really looked like she had kids, if you know what I mean. Well, she does, you know. Yeah, but... Anyway, she also gave Kim truly bad advice for the monologue. Like, every joke that ended up working, she was like, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should mention the sex tape. I kind of agree about the sex tape, though. I think Because I've make... actually forgotten about the sex tape. I think you need to make one joke, which she did, to kind of contextualize it. But But the best jokes were about her family. The strongest jokes in Kim's SNL monologue were the one about Corey Gamble being a gold digger. Yeah. And the one about Kim's sisters using photos of her as reference images for their plastic surgeons. And what was... And the Kanye one. (laughs) And what was revealed during this episode that we had not really known before was that Kanye contacted Dave Chappelle to help Kim with her monologue. Dave Chappelle then contacted Michelle Wolf, And they put together a full writer's room. Yeah. Of which Amy Schumer was no help, (laughs) I maintain. Yeah, episode three, I also cried. I cried when Chris told... I loved this episode. Yeah, I cried when Chris told Kim that Travis had gone, had not only asked Chris for Courtney's hand in marriage, but had gone to Robert Kardashian's grave to ask him. But if he was a true Kardashian, he would have been like, hey, I want the cameras to come with me to film this. <laughs> no, Courtney would not have liked that. Let's be honest. Can we get into the like completely contrived storyline about this like Ray J sex tape and its conclusion? It's actually insane that they did this and I don't know why they did this it's super weird so we've discussed this previously but in a nutshell Kim was upset because she was playing Roblox well Saint was playing Roblox and saw her name but thank god Saint can't read (laughs) and somehow Ray J's manager was advertising through a children's app Roblox that there's more footage from Kim and Ray J's sex tape And then on the show, Saint literally like comes up with his iPad and is like, hey, mommy. And it's like on the first day of filming. Well, how convenient. And the people that work for that company are like the odds of that happening are insane. Like it had to be already watched on his iPad or something like that for this to be a plausible thing that happened. Fine. Okay, you're doing that for the first episode. You want to juice the, the narrative tension. You could let it go. But for two episodes, they have teased that Kanye gives Kim something and Tat correctly predicted that it's going to be... I mean, Tat was like, oh, it's the hard drive. What we end up learning is he just took the entire computer... Yeah, but whatever happened to like making copies of digital files, like it's actually not that. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So in this third episode, Kanye comes to SNL, like when she's rehearsing basically, and is like, I have a gift for you. Opens this suitcase like it's the briefcase from Pulp Fiction or some shit. And inside is just the sex tape. 
A computer. No, yeah, just a computer. fully a desktop. And a drive and stuff like that. And then she's like crying in this pink Balenciaga outfit. Everyone's like, thank you, Kanye. Kanye's like, I just picked this up from Ray J at the airport. I flew commercial. I didn't. No, no, no. Because in the previous episode, Kim explains that he flew to her on a commercial flight and sat, and sat by the bathroom. And Chris goes, oh, I heard you took a commercial flight. And he goes, Oh no, I went back to LA to get this and came back. So he took two round trip commercial flights. It really feels like if you were going to pick up the remnants of your wife's sex tape, you charter a jet. Chris would happily do that for you. It's what she does, I assume, four times a week anyway. Actually, I bet there is a whole private jet assistant that works within the Chris Jenner Corporation. Gas is really expensive now, Lauren. You don't know. <laughs> That Haven't was, you heard there's a war going on and we're talking about this shit? Well, this is back in September, but that's <laughs> the more suspicious part or the thing that makes the least sense to me that Kanye took two round trip commercial flights in the span of a few days. See, that's your red flag. My red flag is that he met Ray J at the airport. None of this And makes he sense. didn't pay him for the sex tape. Which or- makes you think that he threatened to murder him? Yeah, so either it's, there's something, something smelling like shit, as Kanye says in No More Parties in LA, to bring it back. Something's rotten in Calabasas. I'm surprised he's never rapped that lyric. Um, I thought of you when there's that scene where I guess they just sent Chloe to do talk show appearances because she was on James Corden last episode. Now she's on Ellen. Ellen having to make yes. small talk about Trav and Courtney's engagement and having to give a shit about like what Scott's going to do. She's like, what's how's Scott doing? I bet he's really going through it. <laughs> Because Chris Jenner and Ellen DeGeneres are genuinely friends. Yeah, I think that there's a level of rich that you get to. Not rich, wealth. What's the difference? Well, as the Chris Rock joke says, you can spend rich away. You can't spend wealth away. Okay, there's a level of wealth that you get to where your social circle then becomes very small because it's like who lives next to you in Montecito? I think Chris secretly has a house in Montecito and just it hasn't gone public yet because they are in Santa Barbara and Montecito all the fucking time. And there's a triangulation between Ellen, Oprah, and Kris Jenner. Yeah, it's true. They all live there. And it's like everyone in tech, everyone that's like the most rich people in the entertainment industry it's just like a whole nother world over there but oh my god ellen having to make small talk was my favorite part of this episode okay but can we also talk about the fact that gail king and chris rock were in this episode i knew my actual favorite people well chris rock and blake griffin are at the after party because they were in that sketch that was the bachelorette Mm mm-hmm But Gail King was a real surprise in this episode. As Oprah says, she'll go to any party. So maybe this was an example of that. This this might be a Montecito connection. Because if Oprah and Ellen are Montecito friends, Mm -hmm. that means Gail comes to Montecito. And if Ellen is friends with Chris, this is the uh, Montecito transitive friendship property, actually. Totally. Also... When we discussed the reveal of the hard drive, we didn't acknowledge the prayer circle that followed. As someone that grew up Roman Catholic, that was difficult to watch. As someone that grew up Unitarian, I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) I mean, I've never... Should we be doing prayer circles before the podcast? Maybe. 
Like Chloe's like, uh, let us be covered in the blood of Jesus. Is that something that people say? Uh, blood of Christ is a big thing. Yeah. Okay. No shade to our Christian listeners. You do you. Love that for you. I can't imagine the overlap of Christians in the Every Outfit podcast. They're definitely there. I feel like there are more, like myself, ca- uh, people that grew up Catholic who are atheists that are just Catholic and aesthetics only. Quote, unquote, recovering Catholics. <laughs> Those Sinead O'Connor people. Also, we need to mention the Sex in the City reference in the third episode. <gasps> that was when Chloe and Chris were walking in a true keeping up with the Kardashians plot line where Chris has to find her stewardess apartment that... Even though the show's been on... Chris has to find the apartment she lived in when she was a stewardess. Oh, lest you think Chris is currently still a stewardess. Just for people that haven't watched the episode. (laughs) Yes, well, this is the most keeping up with the Kardashian storyline where it's like in the 45 minutes they have between getting to the hotel room and having to go to SNL, Chris makes Chloe walk the streets of New York, which proves to you why they, one, have security, and two, why they have to take SUVs everywhere. They're just mobbed by people. I really like that with the Kardashians versus keeping up with the Kardashians, you get a better sense of their fame level because in keeping up, they were always sequestered in their houses in Calabasas. So you don't really see them out and about interacting with people, fans reacting to them. I think it makes it much richer. Yes, and Chloe says, is it Chloe or Chris that talks about? Oh, it's Chris because she, uh, what I also love about the Kardashians is they make reference to the breaking, they break the fourth wall more often where Chris goes, I always wanted to shoot on the streets when we were doing the other show because it makes me feel like I'm in Sex and the City. Yeah. Anyway, then they did some fake jazz version of the Sex and the City theme. Bum, 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 bum. It sounded about as good as when I attempt to do the Sex and the City theme. Yeah, Lauren, did you compose that? <laughs> I did. You laugh now. You, will, you won't be laughing when you see those residual checks I get from Hulu. <laughs> so uh, another plot line that amounts to nothing is the fact that uh, Travis thinks that he won't be able to propose to Courtney on the date he wants to because there might be an egg retrieval on a Sunday, question mark? I've never heard the phrase egg retrieval so often <laughs> or ever before in my life. You thought it had to do with Easter when the people do an egg hunt? Yeah. You're like, is this the same thing as an egg hunt? This sounds fun. This sounds delightful. Uh, I did notice something that only I would notice, which is there's some scene where Chris is calling all the kids. I don't know if it's around the egg retrieval or when they're heading up to Santa Barbara, but it would seem that Chris organizes her children's names by their name or nickname by the year of their phone number. So, for example, it's like Kimbo 2022, which indicates when they got new numbers. Like Chloe, Chloe's like Chloe 2020. However... (laughs) In this conversation, it's supposed to be happening in September 2021, but it says Kimbo 2022, so it indicates that this is quite obviously a pickup shot shot a few months ago. Right. So there's no truth in this art. So now not only can we date these episodes like the cut does by (laughs) their manicures, right? but by their names on Kris Jenner's cell phones as well. Come on, guys. Do better. 
I mean, I don't care. I also enjoyed that Kylie's In-N-Out order is the same as mine. A double-double with spread cheese and grilled onions. Mm. See, I'm like more Shake Shack, Chick-fil-A type person. You're problematic, (laughs) Drake. Everyone knows this. It's fine. I meant everyone knows that I'm problematic, not that I love Chick-fil-A. But the problem is I only want Chick-fil-A on Sundays, and that's when it's closed for religious reasons. Me and Tad are like such assholes. We're like... You know, whenever we order from Chick-fil-A, we just need to, like, donate to, like, a gay org just to, like, balance it out. So I just Venmo her $20. Does she Venmo you $20? Yeah. So you are... Give back to a gay person. So are you saying that anytime a straight person orders Chick-fil-A, they should be Venmoing uh, an LGBTQ member? No, just Venmo me. I'll put my uh, Venmo in the show notes and you guys could just work it out. Uh, all right. So next episode is the proposal. I really feel like we're going at a at a glacial pace with this season, and I don't. They haven't done a like this season on the Kardashians, so we don't know how forward it goes. Like, do we get the Kanye Instagram breakdown from? God, was it a month and a? Was it only know. a month ago? I don't know. I love that you say this is a glacial pace because I wish it was even more slow pace. Like if I could just like Truman show this shit, <laughs> I would. I'm just so grateful for this show. I'm so happy every time a new episode comes out. I just love it. Do you want to do a prayer circle? Yeah, <laughs> guys, we're <laughs> holding. Grab your talon nails. May the blood of Christ wash over us. And bless us with many more episodes of the Kardashians for decades to come. Amen. (laughs) All right. I guess we've come to the end of the road. We have indeed. And we've almost killed this ball of Vouve Clicquot, if you couldn't tell by our demeanor. Uh, This might be the last time we record at happy hour. No, this is good. We've decided this is a good time for us. All right, well, we'll be back sooner than usual because we're going to try to record Tuesday after the Met and maybe have it up Wednesday. We'll see. Yeah. We're trying to get a very special guest who (laughs) will have been on the front lines of the Met Gala. Yeah. I'll see if Tad can give us some content for close friends. I think that would be Spoiler (laughs) alert. No one knew who we were talking about. Yes. This is very exciting. Our girl... Our girl. Doing her first Met Gala. That bitch. (laughs) Jealous Lauren. Want to drink her blood? (laughs) Sorry, that's a First Wives Club reference. Oh, I thought that was a Neon Demon reference. No. All right, guys. We'll be back next week. Love ya. We're so pathetic at ending these episodes. At some point, we actually have to figure out how to do this. You have to end the episode with confidence, Chelsea. I believe in you. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. You just took my line. Fuck you. Bye, guys. guys. Bye.